Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. In the studio this week, I have the company of a good friend of mine, Carl Edwards. Hello, Carl. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Not too bad at all. And uh, we're going to have a little chat today about Carl's entrepreneurial journey and uh, his professional journey in uh, the areas of focus that he has a uh, passion for. Um, and as always, Carl, appreciate the time. And uh, we like to ask our um, our guest to start at the beginning. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did your professional journey start? What is it that you do? And then how is it that you ended up here today in the UAE on this podcast? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for having me on your podcast, Barry. It's a, a nice change. And uh, to, to be able to talk about my journey and share the, the things there that hopefully can help other people out. I mean, I pretty much started. But, so first of all, my profession is video production. That's what I offer professionally. And that's what I have about 20 years of experience. I first started off thanks to a friend of mine, Tom Finn, uh, in the UK. And I started off in front of the camera, like we are now. This is where I'm most comfortable, actually, in front of the lens, talking to an audience. And that was for a nightclub called Ministry of Sound. All right. Yeah. Okay. And they had started Ministry of Sound TV. And this was before YouTube was a thing. Um, <clears throat> and I saw them in the nightclub because I was an avid nightclub person. I used to love going out and clubbing, listen to some decent music, some wonky underground music in the London club scene. And I saw those guys out with the cameras. And, you know, when you see it, if you've ever seen a film crew when you're out on the street, it's quite rare, but you see these big lights set up, these trucks that are shipping all the equipment in and the crew and there's cameras. And you just want to get nosy. You want to, oh, what's going on over there? You know, and that's exactly the same feeling I had in the nightclub when I saw these guys. And I was like, what are they doing? I, you know, kind of a part of me wants to be a part of that. So I went over and started speaking without being intrusive to what they were doing. And it turns out they were interviewing uh, artists, musicians, the you know A-list DJs and stuff like that, and the crowd getting some what's called Vox Pops. And I was just like, wow, that's really interesting. I, why? And they were like, well, I just, we want to show everyone having a good time, partly promoting the club and getting insight information from the DJs, the music they're releasing. And I was like, so journalism then? They said, yeah. I said, oh, I'm really into journalism. I want to get into it. And then they invited me down for an interview. So I traveled back down to London a week later and uh, they asked me, what do, you, what, what do you want to do as a part of it? I was like, well, I'd like to be in front of the camera and interviewing musicians and artists. I want to talk to them and get to know them and see what, how they're doing what they're doing and what their journey is. And that was essentially the spark to my career in video production because from then I learned everything to do with the production side of it behind the cam behind the lens. The, the filming aspect, the editing, the producing, uh, and all these other kinds of things. And from there, I just continued with Ministry of Sound TV. Uh, then YouTube All, all by just, just approaching them, literally just walking up to them in the club and asking them a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was on uh, Liquid Confidence at the time, so uh, Liquid Courage at the time. So it's, it's you know, uh, that, that encouraged me to sort of just go and speak to them. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome. So that's how it started. And you were saying just then, so you were it was pre YouTube when you got involved with it, and then obviously YouTube came along. And, and so, what happened then? Mm. I I can't actually remember the transition because people were still using media players on their websites. That was still a, a place to host your videos. YouTube was still an unknown sort of territory. It was a place to watch funny videos, comedy, cat, animal videos, you know, all these other kind of things, memes and what, whatnot that came up. And then, and then the platform, I guess, was being used for more educational purposes that people could take their, their show ideas or want to share their stories and turn it into essentially a broadcast channel, but of their own. And then that's where I guess the birth of YouTubers came from. Um, and essentially what we were doing for Ministry of Sound TV, but instead of hosting that on a website that, only a fraction of the population would subscribe to, to YouTube, and then putting that same format of what we were doing, interviewing DJs, onto there. And I guess multiply that millions of times with guys like me and Ministry of Sound that have the same ideas, and then that's where you get lots of other channels. Yeah, indeed, yeah. And so you did uh, Ministry of Sound TV transition onto YouTube as a platform to get a wider reach, and you were involved in that process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then, of course, you had the um, the duplications of that. Other brands and companies followed that same format. So yeah, they they transitioned over to YouTube. But that that was the point where I I kind of left the UK. Uh, I went and went to Spain because the uh, the scene in Ibiza was a lot more happening for music and nightlife. So I wanted to take that same the same aspirations over to that audience because. There's a bigger there's a bigger market over there for it, and but I didn't understand branding and I didn't understand business. I wasn't really an entrepreneur there. I just I wanted to share stories and and pursue journalism. Essentially, I wasn't thinking the mind of a businessman then. But then when I started adopting that into a way of making money, because of course traveling in Ibiza, you, it's not a place where you want to go without savings. And when and if the savings run out, you've got to make some money. So I, I was pushed into a corner, very independent to have to find out ways of doing that. And that's when I started applying, how can I do what I'm doing and make money from it? Um, and that's when my friend Tom, he turned around to me and said, uh, you know, well, I offer film production as a freelancer and facilitate productions where you hire crew, get the equipment in, get a production manager in to manage the crew and the equipment and so on and make commercials or documentaries or event videos, which is very very popular there's so many events and everyone wants their events documented for future reference and promotion and sponsorship attraction and so on and so on so uh, that's where i started looking at the commercial aspect and to make money from it and then i transitioned into setting up my own my own company all right and so was that ke motion pictures that you set up in ibiza uh, or was that a different one that you thought of at that point yeah different brand same business same industry uh back then it was called lost in media um lost in sort of stemmed from being lost in ibiza <laughs> most people can relate to that for sure who's been there uh and i needed to add something a bit more professional to it so i added media at the end because it essentially covered everything that i was offering so yeah lost in media um was the the company i had back then Right. And so how long were you in, um, in Ibiza for, and was it then Ibiza to Dubai or was there a bit in the middle that, that, um, that, that you had? 
No, it's pretty much a transition from from Spain to to Dubai. I, I I think I went back to the UK for a couple of months just to wrap up things, say bye to everyone, and then uh, got on the next flight out to Dubai to start a new life. And what what was so? This is something I always am interested in. Why why Dubai? What was it at that point in time? Because how long how long ago was that? Um, this is my twelfth year here now in Dubai. So yeah, I've been two thousand two thousand seven two thousand eight. Right. So so a that's just around the time that the entire world went into the toilet first time from an economic perspective. <laughs> um, what was the what was what was the attraction of Dubai? Was it somewhere that you knew about previously? Do you know anything about the UAE, or was there something in particular that you thought you know what that's where I'm going? Yeah, it's a very good question, and I very rarely get asked it, but uh, I guess. My answer to that would be um, television. I got to know about Dubai through television. There was, you know, huge media media exposure back then, and still is now, of course, because it's a, a hot destination. Um, and they were showcasing the building of the Palm and how fascinating it was building a landmass out and extending their coastline. And I just saw that as utter luxury. And you know, if they're doing that there, and then I had hints of it in Hollywood movies of how shakes were super super rich and they got their wealth from oil and at that time i was going through a period of uh positive mental attitude changes um because i had a fear of not succeeding in life and i wanted to get on a path of success and through those sort of times that i was going through of, of learning how to be positive and get your mind in the right state to to get a clear vision and direction for where you need to go and one of the, you know, for one of the best bits of inf- uh, advice that I got back then was surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. So if you want wealth, go and surround yourself with wealthy people. I mean, it makes sense. So that was kind of my attraction to Dubai. It was it was the success, the the drive, the motivation, and the money. Good reasons to come. <laughs> so, um, and I think it's also why a lot of a lot of people were attracted and are attracted to this place. It, it looks different, and uh, you know as well as I, with, with people outside of this part of the world, that there's a very um, a very gilded perception that we all must be super wealthy um, if we're here. Um, it's not not true, <laughs> but that's obviously the outward perception that people get from this place. So it makes sense that that would attract you. Now, were you coming here as a, um, uh, a, 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 a an employee? Had you got a job that you were coming to on the ground here? Or were you coming here thinking, I'm going to do my own thing on the ground here? Because that's also quite difficult to do. <laughs> Well, a bit of both. I, I had done some preparation, so I'd reach out to a nightlife magazine over here uh, and sort of pitched the whole TV, online internet TV concept uh, to them, uh, of which I had a positive response for. So I did some preparation and had some connections before I arrived. Uh, I had some savings to come over with, of course, that's a must. Um, but I did slip into a full-time job when I would got here just to stay above board, uh, and, uh, and I'd got into property which you know that was the fad at the time but in 2008 it was also the end of that time too (laughs) always sucks i'm always i'm always that guy that gets into something at the end of it (laughs) (laughs) but i think especially that particular industry there's a lot to be learned from it um over here even coming in at the end of the the high period that the people in the industry tend to have a little bit of a a reputation rightly or wrongly uh, just people's experience of that but there must have been some learning from that that 
maybe it was that, well, I don't want to do this. I'm not sure if that was perhaps the the biggest lesson. (laughs) That was the biggest lesson. This isn't where I want to be. Mm. I mean, I'm not knocking the guys that are in that industry at all. Certainly I'm not, I wasn't built for that. I wasn't built for, you know, the the property and whatever's included to try and and sell that service and that product. Um, But it was just to get by. It was just a, a money maker. And, you know, I guess that was the, that was the roots for me to realize that life is not all about money. Mm, okay. So this is interesting. I'd like to touch on this because was it then after you'd done the, um, the property stuff, was that the, also the catalyst to start doing your own thing again? Or did you move into other employment prior to setting up uh, your current, um, current companies? Uh, well, it's interesting. I, well, first of all, I want to try and keep this, our conversation as positive as possible, but still real because, you know, I like, I like to tell my story and it's true. So, and what I mean by that is, yeah, I did transition into something which I thought was independent and a partnership. Um, <clears throat> and it was with this nightlife magazine, uh, a complete misunderstanding there. And obviously it was down to communication. I hadn't probably communicated something. And what I mean by that is what I thought was being a partnership I was stepping into was actually a employment i was employed under them i didn't understand rules and regulations of what it meant to be an expat over here being employed by a company and uh, companies seem to back then have more rights than the employee um and the moment i had a visa under them i was essentially their employee and had very little rights in regard and freedoms in regards to expanding my services out and, and attracting other clientele everything had to be channeled through them and that was the TV concept that I grew for them. So, you know, the quick answer to your question is I transitioned to employment, but that wasn't where I wanted to be and that wasn't my intention. Right. Okay. And so then how long was it until you were able to get where you wanted to go? Um, not long. I mean, I think I was doing that and setting up their online web TV thing um, for about nine months. And during that nine months, I picked up more contacts and connections with people because obviously I was the face of it. I was the one going out and doing the speaking to people and and making those connections. Uh, So along the way, I was kind of learning a lot and and prepping myself for, uh, once again, independence. And then then I went freelance. And then from then on... um, I wouldn't say I've always been freelance because I made another attempt a little bit later on to set up another company <laughs> and this i guess is where my story is going to get interesting and i can go quite a little bit deeper into it because i'm very much on the fence at being an entrepreneur i think i've got it ingrained into me to be an entrepreneur and i'm, I'm motivated in that sense uh as a businessman but i don't really think business is right for me that like running a business or operating a business i'm not built for that either i'm a creative and the idea is always good at the beginning, as long as it stays an idea and you develop an idea. But when you start having to manage and be responsible for other people and making sure that's all above board, that's when it gets a little bit too much not creative and not for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And running a business is very different to just uh, being a freelancer and delivering a service. And and like I say, I, I started doing my stuff and I never had the ambition to create a, a, a huge agency around this. This is really something that I could do myself, um, which again, sometimes I think that's not necessarily the right way because then you have to do everything yourself. Uh, <laughs> there's not enough hours in the day, as you know. Um, 
but this is, it's always interesting to understand people's definition also of what they believe an entrepreneur is. Um, and obviously you've got it built into you to, to start something, to do something that you want to do. Um, so you, you're obviously working for somebody that you didn't think you were working for. You're, you're prepping yourself to go out on your own. Um, was that then the, the is that um, KE Motion Pictures, was that the uh, sort of the, the, the outcome of, of this time in, in the, the, let's say, negative situation that you found yourself in a little bit by accident? Is that where, what was the next step? Oh, yeah. I mean, K-Motion Pictures didn't come until a little bit later. That was something a little bit more self-branded that was around my my personal identity. I mean, KE standing for Carl Edwards, my initials. Uh, no, I, I actually continued Lost in Media because I'd had the company uh, set up in the UK as a limited company from Company's House. And I just thought, why not continue that? It was still an entity uh, and to continue that. So I, I brand, continued the brand over here. And then uh, I was freelance for a little bit. I say freelance, working for myself, but I was facilitating larger productions. Um, I guess it was still freelance because I was facilitating it by myself uh, and doing most of the work by myself. So <clears throat> that lasted for a while, uh, for about a year. Um, and then that, that entrepreneurial spirit jumped out of me again. And I had an opportunity to build a a business um i partnered up with someone in the wedding industry uh, that they they design productions for large-scale emirati weddings and indian weddings and anyone with big budgets basically it was a big budget uh wedding production company and i partnered with him and all the mistakes i'd learned prior to this with making sure the communication was on point my intentions and my desires were on point and written down uh, and we developed a partnership there where we went into business together and I built a company out of that. He shared his clientele with me. I filmed a ton of weddings, big, big weddings, which was very interesting. Uh, and of course, over here in the Middle East, this is, uh, their culture's um, male and female separation, right? So they respect their spaces. And in the weddings, you had the men's side of the wedding, which was completely standalone, separate wedding. And then you had the female. So essentially two weddings. Um, and I would manage them, but I couldn't go on to the female side. So I, I'd find myself having to hire a female only crew, which was pretty interesting. And they're available if you look. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that uh, business boomed and made quite a chunk of cash from, from that business. Nice. So then why stop it? Um. Yeah, another good question, Barry. I kind of feel on the spot on this one now. <laughs> well, yeah. it's it's also, I mean, obviously we get into business for for the financial reasons, but I'm I'm guessing, and this is also a leading question to a certain extent, leading on your personal development journey. You said it yeah. already that it's not just about the cash, but but this is a good business. It's working. It's making you good cash. But um, what 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 was the reason for saying, you know, what I don't want to do it anymore? Or were you forced into it, or were you just an epiphany or a, a change within yourself that said, you know what, I'm still not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. A bit of both. I mean, I'm going to talk about running a business here now for anyone that's <clears throat> starting it out and, and deciding whether to partner with people or go it alone. Um, partnering with a business partner is what I learned is, is it's like a marriage. It is a marriage. Um, and you've got to treat it like, like that. 
communication is key. And without that, things just go massively south. And because I'd already had a bad taste in my mouth of the previous um, arrangement with this nightlife magazine, I kind of felt that having a partner in business can get messy and, and there's just different intentions, different ideas, different directions that they want to go. And it's almost like a, uh, a music band. You know, you have the drummer and lead singer, you have the lead guitarist and, and everyone else. And, and they all have their different directions that they want to take the band in. And when those disputes start happening and people don't see their visions are not in line, then they separate and it's the same thing. So that's essentially what's happened with me is we had different ideas of running a business of ways of running the business. He was very money orientated and I was like, I'm not interested in ripping people off. I'm not interested in taking as much money as I can from someone. I'll take what is fair, cover my costs plus a percentage. I'm not going to take any more than that. And the checks stopped being signed, which then I couldn't pay suppliers. And then I started to get my reputation was very important to me. And, and that started going down. And, and in the freelance world, when you hire freelancers, especially in video production, it's a very tight net community. Everyone talks to everyone. And, and the moment you become that guy who doesn't pay, then no one's going to work for you. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you don't want that. And it's something we've talked about previously, especially now in the digital age, your, your, your reputation is everything. And, and now your online reputation is everything. And people quite rightly um, go to exceptional lengths to, to protect that, as you should. I, I firmly believe you should, because especially here in the UAE, this is something that I've learned over the last 15 years, is that um, trust and, and how people perceive you in, in that way, your reputation, it's pretty much how all business is done here. Um, it, it's yeah. based around trust. It's based around, well, uh, do they do good business? Are you going to be true to your word? Uh, and of course, at the end of the day, are, are you going to pay um, what you're supposed to pay? Um, and uh, yeah. and if, you, if you get the reputation for not, then yeah, you're going to struggle, <laughs> really going to struggle. So, yeah. so you move away from that. Did you dissolve the company or did uh, business partners sort of take it on and, and you went on your, your own journey? Well, I guess one of the, the things I had going for me then was uh, <clears throat> I didn't like to put all of my capital in one basket. And essentially, the development of that idea, most of the capital came from their side. So I kind of just left it with them. I was just like, look, <clears throat> we have our differences. And I mean, there was a point where things got extremely difficult. I was trying to communicate as much as I could go down there speak and uh, emails and just make sure that everything was just coming from my side and everything just dropped from their side. And this is where obviously the, the, the uh, checks and stuff stopped being signed and, and I couldn't pay freelancers and things like that. So I just, I was just like walked away. Essentially I was just like, okay, well then you have it, take care of it. And um, I will walk away, cut my losses and start again learn from my mistakes and failures and build something else with that knowledge. And so was that then the birth of K Emotion Pictures? You want to get to that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking, I'm uh, like, oh, I didn't know that bit. I didn't know that bit either. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, is yeah. this the bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is the bit. This, this. And I remember this very well. Uh, now I had some time to breathe and I had a wealth of knowledge from my failures, which, which I want to point out. And I learned very fast then that 
failures are part of the success building. Uh, without those failures, you, you can't succeed. So that from that day forward, I had no shame in failing, but wanted to try and avoid it as much as I can and protect integrity and keep my trust uh, and my um, reputation a high standard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some breathing space, I stepped back for a little bit. I didn't work for a couple of months, took a couple of months off. Um, and in that time, I started to formulate where, what direction I wanted to go in, offering the same thing, the same clientele, but under a different brand, something mm-hmm. a little bit more personal, something that doesn't involve somebody else and their ideas and direction of business. So I think I turned to YouTube, funnily enough. Right. And I saw a lot of people creating their own. I know it's, it's very uh, convenient, isn't it? <laughs> Especially where we're at now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I saw a lot of YouTubers becoming very successful, earning a very good income from just their channel and the, and the content they produced and shared. And a lot of it was around their own personal name that, that you know, like uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, Peter McKinnon, and obviously Casey Neistat, the, the vlog king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and their channels were named after their own names. So I was like, well, you can't get any more personal than that. Uh, why not create a personal brand, but still have a, a business twist to it. So uh, Carl Edwards, most of pictures then became a thing. And I shorn the branding down to KE motion pictures for the sort of commercial aspect of it. So the freelance side of it's Carl Edwards motion pictures. And then if I'm facilitating productions for big projects for clients, it would be K motion pictures. Right. Very cool. And you're, you're still running that now, right? So this is what, when did that actually become in terms of year? When did that come into existence? Yeah. So the company is now six years old. No, no, it's longer than that. No, that was, yeah, it's it's about six or seven years old. Yeah, right. Okay, and so this um, gives you the platform, I guess, to to do things the way you want to do them, um, which is why a lot of people get into business. You don't have to listen to anyone else, and you you can uh, do it your way. And uh, and also, especially as a as a solopreneur, as an individual, you can change direction quite quickly as well. So that, yeah. um, especially now in the age of YouTube and, and content, we're bombarded with so many opportunities, really. And uh, I know you and I have talked about this before because you, you see something, you think, oh, they, they could do that. And I'm guilty of this when 10 years ago when I started my online career is that the, um, I call it shiny, shiny object syndrome, where there's something glinting over there and you're like, oh, that's like a good idea. And that's a good idea. And then um, suddenly you realize you've got these 10 good ideas, but you're not doing anything on any of them. And so you're not really achieving anything. Um, so it's one of those things where you have to be very, very clear about what you're doing. But I think within your business, it's obviously very clear what the end objective is when you're creating content for somebody. But something that I want to talk to you about is six years ago, you set this up and there's got to be quite a vast difference between the kind of content that you were creating for your clients then and what you're doing now in, in 2020. How, how is that true? And, and what is that kind of transition? Well, I mean, before we come up to speed to current date, there, there is another business in there that I haven't sort of spoken about. Um, and it was when the food trailers become a, a, a big trend. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great because events needed it. It was something that was missing, a bit of street culture. And, and to have food trailers at the side of the road, uh, not that that's still 
permitted as much now, but at private events, concerts and so on, it was. So the entrepreneurial spirit come back to bite me in the, in the butt uh, and, and say, you know, why don't you set up another company? <laughs> Do another company. Because that's when I learned what I believe an entrepreneur actually is. And that's a solopreneur or whatever you want to call it. Is someone who builds a business and sells it, right? That's the normal idea of a, an entrepreneur. And so I actually wanted to do that. I wanted to build something tangible that I could sell to someone and they take, took over the business. So I built a food trailer with a business partner. <laughs> <laughs> Having specifically said, I'm not sure I want to do this. <laughs> I give it another go. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, one of the biggest mistakes in my life was it was actually with a friend, mm. uh, which is a shame because, you know, I, you can imagine where this business partnership went based on the current track record <laughs> and the, fr and the friendship went with it too, which was, was a shame really, you know, and I'm still very upset about it to this day. Uh, but I learned a big lesson there is not to get into business with friends. Family businesses are good because everyone's kind of connected deeply, but friends can kind of just come and go. Uh, and that's what happened there. And that was, that was, yeah, we built a food truck, a food trailer, and dry hired it, uh, got kitchens to put their own uh, um, appliances in. And uh, it was very successful. And, and um, when we went our separate ways, we, we shared what we could then and, and sold it, which is great. It was the first kind of business that was sold. It was really nice. But Kamish and Pishas were still there in the background. Uh, and I was applying my skills there to create marketing material for that business. Uh, so I was now using my video production skills and experience to create content for another business of my own. And that's when I had a big understanding of the value of video and creating content for businesses, because now I saw the value of it for myself. That was, it was affecting one of my businesses. So I had a better, a deeper understanding of value for the content I was creating for customers. Right. That's where I guess we can transition into the now is, content has become very different, um, especially with platforms that are available to post to now, media platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We can market ourselves and share content and share our own personal and business-related stories in so many different ways. So it's, it's massively changed, yeah. But it's also, I think, very much, um, I would say, in any business person's handbook, it's an essential skill now. You you need to know how to create video. And um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but my personal opinion on this is that whatever your role is within a business, you now need to get comfortable with doing this, being in front of the camera and talking and communicating and sharing and educating, because that's what your audience expects of you now. Uh, and this is something that I want to talk to you about because whilst I think that's potentially a good thing, it also means that the whole concept of content creation has been commoditized. Uh, and I want you to talk a little bit about this in terms of how do you, how do you explain and educate to a client today how much work goes into creating just a 15-second Instagram snippet, just a 60-second Instagram story ad, uh, because that's how people phrase it. It's just a. Um, but how do you explain that to somebody? Because 
it's a loaded question, of course, because I now have a, a newfound appreciation for what actually has to go into creating just a video. I just want a short one to go on Facebook. Um, it's really easy to say. It's not easy to do. So how, how do you approach that whole scenario? Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought this up. And I think the question should be directed at you being the newfound learner of what goes into making videos. I mean, it's just pressing the record button, right? And then your video is done. There's a magic auto edit button and everything is it's done. There's no value to it. <laughs> Not on the contrary. So yeah, uh, based on the way you were delivering that quest, that loaded question there is, is yeah, you, you know full well that there's a huge amount of effort and resources um, and uh, funding that goes into making videos. Even if it's a simple, a simple, you uh just video i want just a video for instagram so yeah i mean the key thing is here and something we all struggle with in this industry is is educating the client educating the person who wants that video whether it's from the private sector or the public sector uh, or the government sector it's uh video is such a commodity now as you said that it's easy to just ask for it and not understand how it's made because we've got these devices on us that we can just simply press record and you think that that video is done. But the creative process involved to make a brand stand out or communicate a message that you want to for your brand or for whatever marketing purposes or PR purposes that you need. There's a lot of process that goes into making sure that that communication is accurate and uh, delivered well, entertaining, educational, all of these things that attract an audience and keeps their attention on that video. Because uh, you'll know being in the digital marketing scene that um, retention rates is, is very important, he says, because we're so distracted, like we're being pulled in so many different directions. And when we're focused on a screen, with so many different tabs on the web browser open, we, we just click through to all of them. And then there's device on the table where we can just scroll through it too because your Instagram app is open on there. So getting someone's attention and keeping their attention is very important. And there's a lot that goes into doing that. And that's just a creative process. Then there's the actual physical labor that goes into it, the filming part, making sure you've got the right equipment, the right camera for the job, the right lights, the right microphone, the right setup to make this image look beautiful, you know? Um, and then there's the post-production, which is a whole nother kettle of fish, if you like, uh, that you need a studio, you need an editor, you need double the time, maybe even sometimes treble. So the way I like to explain it and coming from the film, uh, sorry, the wedding sort of industry for filming is if you're filming a wedding with one camera, which I highly discourage, by the way, because if that camera fails and you can't film that ceremony anymore, that uh, is a very unhappy bride and groom. And that's such a, it's very sad, very, very sad. But um, if you've got one camera and you're shooting a full wedding for 10 hours, double the time for one camera. So you're going to take 20 hours to edit that wedding film. If it's your typical average, like uh, 10 minute wedding film, for example, that includes all of the uh, activities of that wedding. If you had a second camera, well, then you double that again. So you've got two cameras shooting 10 hours, 20 hours, double that again. You've got, you've, now you've got 40 hours of editing. That's, that's an entire week's work for one day of a wedding. Then include an Indian-style wedding where you're shooting full-day weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think so that's... I, 
yeah, so it's a great um, way of, of people understanding just how big a ratio it is when you think about, well, I, I, it's just a 10-minute wedding video, but uh, the like you say, 10, 10 minutes of, of end product is 10 hours of recording, and then multiple cameras, multiple days, uh, just keep adding on the hours. Um, and, and this is where I really do have a, a greater appreciation for what, what that means, because previously when I was... Uh, speaking with clients about various different opportunities for them for content creation. Um, it was always amazing to me how big a number was at the end of the, the content creation bill. And I'm thinking, oh, that seems to be out of uh, sync with everything else that I'm talking about. And inevitably, we'd always try and find a way to, to get it more in sync with what I was thinking and also what the client's budget uh, dictated. But I realized that that's probably, it was the wrong way around. And, uh, and actually, the, the end result tended to be one of those where you get what you pay for <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, and if yeah. you, you do do sort of shortcut it, you end up with something that perhaps isn't as good as it could be. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of people don't understand. And I think that's also something that you, you're trying to do now with um, the, the education piece, if you like. Uh, we've talked about this previously, how you want to help people by giving them knowledge. And, uh, and I mm. think that this subject in particular is, is, a, is a subject that people a, are hungry for knowledge about, uh, and B, have uh, a real um, lack of understanding about it, just like I did, you know, now that well, I've only, been doing it. Only for those ones that want to hear it. I mean, there, there are clients out that just want the job done. They don't care how it's made. And even if they don't have a deep respect and understanding about how it is made, they, they, they just want it done. Um, sometimes good budget, sometimes very minuscule budget. Uh, so there's... There is a distinction between the educational side of it, like letting them know the process that's involved, the costs that are involved, the resources that are involved, then show me a budget or this is the cost. Now uh, approve the budget. And then, then there are those that uh, generate like yourself, you understand the process because you also want to do it yourself. You want to take on uh, and understand the sim to simplify that process so it makes it more feasible for you to make your own content because we live in an age now where video is like hot demand and it's one of the best mediums to communicate a message uh, to promote your business or a personal story um, and to possess those skills of how to make a video from the filming aspect to the editing and the processing of it to, to, to possess those skills yourself is, is efficient and very, very, very cost effective. And, and you're learning this now, or you've learned this now, and you've knocked out tons of videos for your, your business co-babble um, and beat the cyberbully and your vision and, and, and the message you want to communicate there, which is beautiful. And that's why I love speaking to you about the, your, your side of the business. Um, but now, because you can communicate to that to a larger audience, you now possess those skills to be able to do that. So there is a transitional period. And this is why I'm starting my online course called Pocket Productions is to, is to follow on that education to the client or to the end user so they can learn how to make videos themselves the easy way with their smartphone, editing it with their smartphone or iPad, or if they want to notch it up a little bit, a computer. Um, and then so they can either do it themselves or and then leave the bigger stuff, the more creative and in-depth stuff to the professionals like myself, where we can create a commercial. And I just want to highlight the fact that because I use the wedding industry as, uh, as a reference to, you know, one camera, 10 hours, double that for the editing. Now, another scenario would be if you want a short video and short, shorter isn't always cheaper. 
it's the other way around. And this is the misconception of it. If you've got a message that's essentially written down as a press release, for example, PR, the PR industry do this all the time. They have their press release. They send it out to journalists, to magazine, to print. Um, and now you can put, essentially put that press release into a video. So it's what we call cinematic PR, uh, a PR newsworthy piece. And you can communicate that same press release through the medium of video. But you can't do it for as long as that press release. So if that press release is 150 words or 200 words or, or whatever, um, that's going to be a really long video. So you've got to shorten that down. And the, and the, the creative involved to compress that message down shorter is a big process because you don't want to miss things out. There might be key aspects to that message that you cannot miss out. So you've got to be really creative with how you compress that down. And then we go into TV commercials, for example, like a 30, an old traditional 30 second TV commercial. You've got to get the point in that 30 seconds. And that's why they charge through the roof and the budgets are huge for that. It was only 30 seconds and as only 30 seconds and that that's I, I think this is a big part of what you're doing and why it's so important is to help people understand the um the reality of of content creation and that it, yes you can just stand there and hold your phone up and take your selfie and do do that and do a, a piece to camera and it, that is a video and it is video mm -hmm. content but uh, i think it, much like my learning on this is that it can it there's it can be done better and if it is done better, you, your reach and your impact can be uh, bigger. Uh, and at the end of the day, surely that's that's what you want, especially if you're doing it from a, a business perspective. If you like a lot of people want to be in the business of vlogger or influencer or whatever it is at the moment. But Well, now you're mentioning genres, which is very interesting because this is, this is something that needs to be communicated and understood across the board is, is a video is a video. Like what you were, what we're recording this podcast right now on video. It's a video. You take a selfie. It's a video. So that bracket, that category of video fits into multiple different genres. And when you understand the genres, then you understand the process, the value and the difference. So your selfie has its place. You know, if you want to communicate your business message through a selfie, it can be done. It's not necessarily going to look as professional as, as it could, but it's still going to do a job and it will still get you. You still might get you might actually get better results. <laughs> the vloggers and stuff like that, they're hugely successful these days, especially like the big ones on YouTube. They're earning a killing and their editing style, in a professional opinion, is a joke. But their video has got 20 million views and my highly professional video I created for X client over here has got 1% of what they've got. It's crazy how it works. Yeah. And I guess that's a big part of the, um, the, the, the jigsaw is because people are always going to throw that at you and say, well, so-and-so has got, he doesn't spend 40 hours and he just records. In fact, it's all live. There's no editing involved in this. It's just pushed straight out there. How come we can't do that? And I think you've, you've sort of answered that in terms of it depends on what you're doing. And it also depends on what you are selling effectively. And it's, and it very much depends on who your audience is. And uh, I think this is something that comes back into the digital marketing side of things is understanding who you're creating this for is key because maybe your audience and the, the next generation of people coming through and um, millennials and zennials and so forth, maybe they don't care so much about the, uh, the quality of it or that it's been edited a certain way. They just want to see you doing your thing. 
Um, and I think that's something that we have to also take into consideration. But I think, as a word you used earlier, we're in a transition period in so many different things when it comes to online business content um, that there is going to be a period of time where actually highly um, edited or high, high quality content coming out from you as the face of your business is what your clients would want to see or your potential clients want to see. Um, but if you're in the business of selling yourself as a vlogger or as an influencer, then yeah, the raw style is going to work for you because that's what people want to see. Um, so it's very much dependent. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting point that you're putting here because now that just uh, it, it's come to my mind that uh, that you, you mentioned earlier the solopreneur, but then in film is also the solo filmmaker, right? So, and this is where it comes down to simplifying things. That the technology is advancing in such a way, everything's accommodating video production, making videos. Like every single, I would say, anyone I know that I've ever met in the street, wherever has a camera in their pocket because they have a phone that's a camera phone. So as far as I'm concerned, every single person walking on the planet has a camera on them now. Uh, and so what does that mean? Well, that means that technology has come along s such a way that we can all make videos. So there are solo filmmakers everywhere possessing the, the, the skills and the knowledge to do that. And again, that's what my pocket production course, uh, focuses on is is how to make professional looking video with the device you've got in your pocket and what it takes to do that is just a little bit of understanding of the process and the simplification um the ways it's been simplified now to, to be able to do that so with a little bit of education, you can make a professional video and not even tell the difference between whether you hired a creative agency to make it for you or you know, Barry Lee Cummins made it all by himself. On his smartphone. Yeah. 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 And, that, and I think that's why the, the pocket production program is going to be really, really successful because it's going to help so many people do what they want to do. And this is the, my whole ethos. And it always is that how can I make it a streamlined process so that I don't have to capture it on three different cameras and then get each of those pieces of content onto a device where I can edit it. And then I've got to get the audio from somewhere. And then I have to learn the editing software. And then I've now I've, can't be bothered to do it because I've lost and now I'm not going to make the video. And that was my, that was always my reticence to get involved with it. It's like, this seems, and even when, even with you there just to help me go through things like Premiere Pro, I remember the first time you opened it up and I just like, Oh my goodness, that just looks so confusing. It doesn't look intuitive. It doesn't look like I'll be able to use it. Um, and of course you, you can, everyone can learn how to use it. And there's, there's other softwares are available on, on the mobile devices, but it's just about putting your head to it. And, uh, and having a good teacher, I think, at the end of the day, that you can access and that can also show you. And this is this is the segue into um, your other brands. And having talked about all of the other ones, and uh, what what adventures is your and your wife's um, travel brand? Uh, and I think that it's also a great way that you can show people how powerful content can be when created a certain way, and then can use those as examples in your in your teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, there's something that needs to be pointed out there and that's, and that's the power of video for education, learning anything these days. Um, it's actually really, really easy. It's been made very, very easy. The school of YouTube, for example. I mean, I've, I've personally not been to a single college course or university or online course. Actually, no, I missed that one out because that's pretty much YouTube. But I've not studied film in, in university or college. And, and uh, everything's self-taught. 
And so the power of video to learn whatever we want is, is very, very strong and a very useful tool to do that. And so making the pocket production course of making the pocket production course through video of how to make video, if you, if you see where I'm going with this, um, is, is very useful to, to, to learn how to make simple videos or I say simple videos, how to make videos a simple way. Um, and that transitions into our travel brand that we've been doing. So I've kind of gone off the fact of an endless effort of trying to educate clients on the process and just being fronted with how much it's devalued and might, and then, and then I kind of take it personally because my time is then not valued for making these things. So I, I came to a conclusion, uh, about a year and a half ago that why don't I start doing this more for myself after watching so many YouTubers rise and fall and, you know, they're very successful with their channels. I mean, YouTubers is actually a thing. Who would ever think that that would be a profession, a YouTuber? Yeah, well, as, as, you know, following that format. Yeah, and, and this is the thing that as a, as a parent in, in this day and age, you cannot just turn around to your child now and say, just don't be so silly. You've got to come up with a... a a real job um, because, well, there are examples of people doing this. Now they are few and far between, and it's still an argument to be said that yes, there are some people doing very well on the YouTube, but the percentage of those that are super, super successful versus those who are consistently pushing stuff out there and are not making anything um, that yeah. that's the bit that isn't often communicated, but it's still um, the, the idea, especially with young people and the next generation as well. There's, there's potentially the next, you know, super, youtuber who's only six or seven or eight at the moment and, and you don't necessarily I mean, it's want to already isn't it yeah exactly and you don't want to stifle that enthusiasm or that potential um so it's, it's also yeah. a different way of looking at this uh, but i think that also comes from education to understand that this really is this is a viable way of moving forward and and maybe yeah. if you have a, a greater understanding of it you could see you know what actually our son daughter seems to be exhibiting some some signs that they would be good at this. Um, and so maybe we should be pushing that rather than saying, no, don't. And, and again, it comes in into direct conflict with what I do with beat the Cyberbully and, and, uh, and, uh, and the online safety space, because I, I, I'm a big advocate of not getting children into the online space too early. But at the same time, I'm also a massive advocate of educating children for the world that they're going to go into, which is a digital one. Yeah. Uh, and I feel that video creation skill set is, is, is an essential one, much like coding yeah. will be as well. Um, and, and, and I love your vision of trying to teach them to create positive content that has a, a positive impact, something educational. I love that whole vision that you've got there with that. Uh, well, that's that's you know something that we've got in common with the the education side of things. We want to share that knowledge. We want to be able to uh, to impact other people by helping with some of the stuff that we've figured out along the way. Um, and in, in line with that. Um, we, we always ask our guests and in terms of you've got, we, we, we haven't got time to get into it, but you've got a whole other side of yourself. So maybe we'll do another episode around the personal development. And I wanted to get into that because there's, I think there's sometimes you get a, an internal butting of heads based on your, your personal development learning and the business learning that you've gone. So we'll do another episode on that. But to end this episode, um, just uh, we always like to ask our, our guests about resources. You've, you've done a lot during your 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 uh, your journey so far you've you've learned from mistakes um you do a lot of, of personal development yourself um is, is there any 
anything that you would specifically recommend to those that are looking at their business or their idea or, or are you know in the middle of it at the moment um, from a resource side of things so whether that's a book a mentor or uh, anything really that you would say you know what I really think you should go and have a look at this no, great question. And, and I think, uh, you know, everyone should share a little bit of a story of their own with this because we all need inspiration. We all need role models. Uh, there are plenty of books out there. I mean, there are tons. We live in a, an information age now where we're just overloaded with information. So it is hard sometimes to, to know which way to look. So there are tons of books out there and I've read tons of self-help books, uh, Breakthrough to Success and The Secret, you know, all these kind of things and tons of YouTube videos and all the guys that are out there, like Gary V and their motivational speakers. There's tons. I say, get yourself a more local mentor, someone that you can look up to as a role model, like, like you, Barry, I look up to you a lot when it comes to uh, English speaking <laughs> and the way that is translated across language in business in the UAE, what Swanglinies is all about. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> the way you conduct your business, the way you conduct your uh, front line of your business, the, the marketing, the way you do your business development, uh, you know, tons of things that you do within business, I've been inspired by and, and learned from that and apply that myself for the things I don't you get you to do for me. <laughs> but uh, a mentor, that I think that would definitely say the, the, the best advice I can give is find yourself a mentor, someone you can look up to, um, but have a good understanding of them first before you jump in their boat. Uh, and another person I, I ins uh, am inspired by a lot is <clears throat> Shaz from the co Dubai, the co-working space. It's actually where my office is now. Uh, so I've got to give them a bit of a plug because I really appreciate what they do for me and, and his personal mentoring sessions he actually offers it as a service and i've learned a lot from him and it's all related to entrepreneurship how to build your business as a startup that's essentially his foundation is is helping startups and even if you don't want to start up a business understanding the process of of what that is to set up a business helps you out in so many other aspects. If you want, if you've got a personal journey, you want to set up a YouTube channel, you want to set up a travel brand like I have with what adventures um, it teaches you a lot. So having a mentor, a role model, someone to look up to and learn from because they've got a wealth of failures in their portfolio that they can advise you on what to avoid and, and guide you in a right direction. So, you know, I have to extend my gratitude to you, Barry, Shaz, and anyone else that has taught me a lot along the way, mentors for sure. Yeah. Perfect. And I think that's a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic way to end this episode. Not only because I'm in that list, but <laughs> and I genuinely appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, and I think it's so, so important. Uh, a mentor or a coach, it's, it's a, a cliche, but you know, the most successful people in whatever they do, they've got somebody mentoring them, they've got somebody coaching them. So I think it's, it's a brilliant piece of advice. Um, just want to say thank you very much, Carl, for your time and for joining us in, in, the, uh, in the studio today. Um, and to everybody that's tuning in, thank you very much for your time. Uh, if you have uh, any ideas of people that you would like to, us to talk to, then please let us know. Drop us a line at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. If you've enjoyed what Carl has got to say, share it wherever you're listening to this. Uh, share it with your friends. Share it with people you know. Leave us a review. Thanks very much for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.